0: For listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. And as you can clearly hear my voice, I am back for episodes.
1: <laughs> Kara, I'm so excited that you're back. We're having to do this by Zoom. So it's a little bit of a flashback for us. It's like, this is how we started. The old days. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. just, it's so nice to hear your voice coming over the music again. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners agree. I'm just happy to have my bestie back on Draw Near.
0: I feel like everyone can kind of hear it in your voice. So, Fred clearly has a stressed voice. It's because he's been doing these episodes yes, that's by what himself. It is. That's why. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If he gets a little crazy, it's because he's had two hot toddies today, yes. which <laughs> means there's been some whiskey. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which feels amazing on my throat, though, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, it'll make for a good intro. It's fine.
1: In my defense, a religious sister did give me this recipe and say that it helped very much with her colds. So what, I'm
0: pretty sure you gave me the recipe too, but I got like a trash whiskey, so it was all right.
1: You got to get the good stuff, Kara. Yeah. What was it yeah. I texted you earlier before we started recording? It's like sister is sprinkling fairy dust on my throat or something like that with every sip.
0: Yeah, but she's alive. So like how does sprinkling from where? Right, I was I, thinking I like know. heaven. Yeah, but. it's
1: the magic of her <laughs> recipe. But my throat is yeah. feeling like even though my voice sounds like this, trust me. Mm-hmm this is light years better than it was so mm-hmm. the fact that that's I keep well- walking around singing Johnny Cash songs to my kids why I sound like this probably is not <laughs> helping my voice too much but
0: yeah probably not so I'm um, speaking of kids that's kind of what this episode is about how do you guys like that transition that was pretty good <laughs> that was good Kara <laughs> Um, So this episode, we have a guest, um, Fred and a good friend of ours get to have a conversation together about exactly that, about... Um, their kids and about fatherhood. So Fred, can you tell a little bit about the guests and a little like teaser about what this segment coming up is going to be about?
1: Yes. Yeah, so once again, it's Philip Grothus, who you re- may remember as the communications director for St. Francis of Assisi Parish in West Des Moines. He is also a fellow Cobra Kai super fan. Mm, so we're really excited to have him on because it gives us one more. Did he more? finish the whole series in he, a couple days too? He has more <laughs> virtue than we do, Kara. He is doing Aww. one episode a week. And I'm like.
0: Good for him. <laughs> Good for
1: him. I wish I was that holy. You know, I really do. Uh, But him and his daughter, it's a special thing every week that they watch together. So I think that's so beautiful. We also have another special guest, Kara. Who's the special guest that's cooing into the microphone as we speak?
0: Aggie. She is currently sleeping on me, but kind of making noises. Yeah, hello. So it's probably better that she's with me than crying in the crib. So yeah, you'll kind of hear probably actually in a couple of the upcoming episodes because it's a little bit. She's, she's a little bit, I don't know, kind of going through some rough things and it's just probably better and easier for her to snuggle up. So she might be around in some of the episodes.
1: Amen. We love to hear those coups though. So that's cute, Kara. Yeah. So just a little bit of a spoiler warning, but I think it's good to say, you know, how we've done this series on marriage and family life in honor of Aggie. We also have, Kara, you're going to do the same thing with the moms and the wives soon, aren't you?
0: I am. Yes, I am. So um, one of the episodes that Fred got to do is actually with my husband. And so I am going to do the same thing. Crystal and I are going to get to sit down and talk about motherhood and hopefully some other um, special guests and moms in the battlefield with us. And we'll kind of get to talk about being a wife and being a mother and what that's like for all of our listeners. And I think it's good, honestly, for female listeners, but also for male listeners, just like I'm sure many of our female listeners are going to really enjoy kind of getting a father's perspective, too. So yeah. it should be good. Yeah. yeah, that's
1: awesome. I'm looking forward to it, Kara. And then we'll wrap up with couples talking yeah. a little bit as couples. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some some friends lined up to join us for that, and we're really looking forward to that. But in the meantime, Philip this. Back to Philip Grothis. We got a little sidetrack. That might be the hot toddies talking, Kara. I'm not sure. (laughs) But yeah, we're excited. So we're going to transition to the Philip Grothis. I got to say the before I introduce any guest kira
0: is that what is that what they tell you i that's just what you have i just want
1: them to feel special
0: oh okay that's good now not to throw anyone off i am not in the interview um but i did want to be here to introduce because i miss everybody and it's good to be back so and i i'll be back in the other episodes but fred and philip do such a great job so i uh, hope you enjoy listening
2: So once again, we are blessed to have Philip Grothes from the St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in West Des Moines, Iowa, joining us for this discussion on— fatherhood being a dad we intend this especially for those who may be new dads or those who are thinking about possibly someday being a dad but we also think this will be a blessing to all dads who listen and we're hoping everyone else will enjoy this discussion as well what do you think philip
3: oh man i'm in for this ride this is gonna be great
2: so i want to dive in with a deep question as we begin oh no today
3: well strike hard strike fast no mercy sir
2: as i wore my
3: cobra kai (laughs) shirt
2: in honor of you yes You started off before we started recording, you said, I am underdressed seeing you wearing your Cobra Kai shirt, which I wore in honor of you. Thank you, sir. But for the listeners, you're wearing a bow tie. I am wearing a bow tie. Which which one of us is actually (laughs) underdressed for this occasion?
3: Well, it's got to be me because I am overdressed, I guess you could say. I mean, it's... I don't
2: know. Yeah, I'm doing the, I rolled out of bed and put on a Cobra Kai shirt and got on here with you. And But I did choose this shirt because it's you and we love Cobra Kai. And September 9th is on the horizon, which by the time you're listening to this, we've already seen the first episode or more. And it we is know. epic. We're a little bit Shameless excited. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> I don't know if everybody listening likes Cobra Kai, but clearly we do. So, you're a dad.
3: Yes, sir. How many kids do you have? I have a plethora of kids, a plethora, a of plethora kids. of kids. Um, I've got a house full of boys and girls that keep me busy and mm. uh, love and life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness.
2: Nice. I, I'm trying to figure out what, what's what, is there a technical word for a lot of kids? Like, is it a gaggle? Is it a gander? Is Ooh. it a plethora? I don't know. Well, I feel like there should be a word for this.
3: I always go with like plethora, just because I'm so fixated on the movie The Three Amigos.
2: You know, nice, the line nice, of a, a plethora
3: right. of piñatas. Nice. So any chance, like that's the biggest word I know is plethora. Okay.
2: That works. Yeah. Yeah, that works. It's all a lot. And I'm sure you get the question, are these all yours? I don't know. If you're all together, do you get that question?
3: I do. And... I love them all. So yeah, right. they're all mine. Yeah. Cause I love yeah. them all.
2: My favorite response for that question. And I hope it doesn't offend anybody listening, but my favorite response is we love our hobbies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> Children are not hobbies, but no, it's yeah. funny. Like it, you, yeah. you definitely see your lens through your kids. Right, like, yeah. You pick up their hobbies, even though you may or may not have liked them. Like, I had three girls to start, or no, sorry about that, two girls to start off with. And when the third one was being born, it's like, well, you want a boy, right? I'm like, I don't know what I would do with a boy.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: I, I'm perfectly happy continuing tea parties and yes. dress up and yeah. being that type of a dad.
2: You're blessed among women.
3: It was. Grit. Yeah, I love it.
2: Yes. So when you learned you were going to be a dad for the first time, and maybe every time, but especially <laughs> that first time, yeah, what was what was your initial reaction to learning that you were going to be a dad?
3: Oh, it was so I was so happy, so excited, and I don't know about you, but I was totally petrified of being a dad at the yeah. at the beginning yeah. process. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Finances, uh, time frames. Uh, Am I really ready? And then that moment you hear it, it slowly melts away. But then the moment I held Mila, who is my oldest, it was like, why was I ever worried? Right. That's silly. It's so silly.
2: Mila, who loves your dad jokes, right?
3: Oh, my goodness, Mila. I love you, (laughs) babe. Please listen through the entire episode because it's going to be epic.
2: Nice. I think that was my... It's funny that you describe it that way because that was my response as well. It was initially, wow, excitement. And then, oh my gosh, I'm scared. And then excited and then scared. Yep. And then, like, I don't know, some sentimentality kind of settled into where I started writing notes to our first, always wanted to be a dad and write these sweet notes. And then, as more children pile up and come along, you know, it gets harder (laughs) to do that, those sort of sentimental things. But, yo. I share yeah. your sentiment in that, like the moment I held her for the first time, because I was in college at the time. She was born during final exams, actually, and it was it was a lot of fear for me. Oh, what am I going to mm-hmm. do? How how? But the moment I held her, all that went away. So any dads listening, or new dads, or dads to be, it's a, it's normal to be excited and scared at the same time. So that that's how you would answer that.
3: Totally, yeah. totally. Oh my goodness, I would and it wouldn't be unnor or it wouldn't be unnormal if you felt just one way it's just how I, it's just how right. i felt and how yeah. you felt but don't right. feel ashamed exactly. if yeah. you're having
2: yeah it's doubts. okay to be scared yep i think some of the best moments in in my life have been preceded by similar <laughs> feelings of excitement and absolute terror like right now actually you know like yeah. th- the life changes you know that we talked about on a recent episode so that that's okay Excuse that's me. normal so What what perceptions of what being a dad means and and that you might carry with you, whether it's from our culture or your experience growing up? Like how how do you think that shaped your perception of being a dad?
3: Okay, Um, so my dad was always around and always fixing things. He was a handyman. Uh, He was great about about that because that was Mm -hmm. his profession. He was a teacher an industrial arts teacher, an electrical teacher for the junior high. So he knew his stuff. So when it came to building things uh, in the garage and fixing things around the house, that was his thing. So I was there holding a screwdriver, holding uh, the screws whenever they came out or put them in. So I picked up a lot of things just watching mm. him do things. So that was what I had gravitated towards. And I've hugely learned the amount of patience mm. he had with me is incredible because i get frustrated well i can make i can hang Mm -hmm. the ceiling fan myself and kelly wants luke to help me my youngest it's in his room well he's gotta hang you know he's gotta Mm -hmm. hold a flashlight like is that really helpful but yet that's what i did that's absolutely little yeah so yeah that's Mm -hmm. really helpful so i saw that and now i'm starting to learn that the culture of a dad we need to fight what secular Mm. culture is breathing down our necks of the bumbling idiot. If you really look at a lot of how dads or male role models are portrayed, like I'm going to go to my other favorite show,
1: Saved by the Bell,
3: (laughs) Zach, Uh Zach Morris, you know, you never really see his dad except Mm -hmm. for like one episode, but Mr. Belding is Mm -hmm. that father figure for Zach Morris. And he is just like a funny side character, bumbling idiot with very few insightful thoughts for Zach Morris and the rest of the gang. Is that really how we should be portrayed Mm -hmm. as men? So it's fighting that culture of being a bumbling.
2: Yeah, that is definitely the perception we're working against. Homer Simpson's the first one that comes to mind for me, you know? And honestly, I do have my Homer Simpson moments, certainly. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I also have my Charles Ingalls moments, you know? (laughs) Uh, my own experience I can think of similar things like my dad was definitely my stepdad I should say because that's who I grew up with was definitely very handy but it was also like very complicated experience like yeah I would hold the flashlight but you know I would also learn every word (laughs) that you're not supposed to say every single cuss word I, I learned from my dad my stepdad while holding a flashlight for him you know And I remember when he passed away, away, and I got some of his tools, and I brought him home. And um, my third daughter picked up the hammer that he had, and she held it in her hands, and she she asked what it was. Because it was the first time she'd really seen a hammer. She was pretty little. And Uh and I said, um, that was daddy's daddy's hammer. He said a lot of naughty words while holding that. (laughs) And then she just (laughs) had this look on her face of like oh my gosh, should I be touching this? <laughs> you know, and it was it was just so cute. But so there is that like, yeah, there was this, but there was also the complicated, you mentioned patience. Like that's actually a great opportunity to be a witness of patience for your kids when they are holding the flashlight, when they're, you know, doing those mm-hmm. things. So uh, as, as a dad, sometimes with that experience for me, sometimes that's a wrestle with me not to, to go back to that experience of fatherhood that I had. And uh, sort of, if I can quote the immortal words of the prophet Ice Cube, check myself before I wreck myself, (laughs) you know, Um, (laughs) because I I don't want to be that witness. I want to be more the witness like what you're describing your dad was.
3: Yeah, it's, and it's taken me a long time to realize that, that's what was going on. And to go into the same uh, words and avenue that you were talking about with your dad's hammer, I remember splitting wood with my dad, sledgehammer mm-hmm. and wedges. And so we had some logs and I'm like, I, I need a sledgehammer. I need some wedges. Dad, do you still have those wedges? Because I know mm-hmm. you don't use them anymore. Can I have them? Um, so they're now in my possession. Nice. And my youngest, Luke, he's like, I want to help oh, you split awesome. wood. Oh, that's yeah. So I got him, I got him a little like five pound nice. sledgehammer and he, he loves to just try to mm-hmm. split wood. And so it starts the wedge and then he does get bored and tired and I get like frustrated and I'm like, oh, man, you know what? I, why right. am I getting yeah. frustrated? It's, I, I was, mm-hmm. I was the same way like that, you know, like hit it a few times and then run off and do something else. And it's okay.
2: Yeah. It's okay. That's one of the hardest things too about Being a dad sometimes is they're not where I am and I have to be more patient. Like, yes, of course, he's not going to be able to chop as much as I am or fully understand what it means by take out the trash, but don't drop the trash along the way, you know, and pay attention to these things. Yes, there is a there is a patience that's needed there. And it's hard to be gentle sometimes sometimes. Uh, when those things repeat. I don't know if you have that problem as well. Like certain behaviors that you you always, you always oh, say, don't do that thing. Or maybe instead of saying don't do that thing, you might say this is the right way to do it, but it still keeps happening.
3: Yeah, I struggle with that constantly about um, that's not how we sit right. at dinner, yeah. at the dinner table. And does that, is that oh. allowed at school? No, you would never right. sit that way at school. So why is it okay here? You know, and the next day, same conversation. We don't
2: punch our beach. brother during prayer. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard. What role do you think, as you reflect on, on your experience as, as a dad, how generally speaking, how often do you reflect on that, your own experience with your father, and how does that reflection on that shape how you parent in a general
3: way? The only thing that I really try to think about and compare is my temper, and I need to keep that in check. I know my dad, Mm -hmm. I love him, I love him dearly. He's got a temper, and Mm. I know I have that. And it's, I've blown up at my kids, and Mm. I know I need to keep that in check. So that's, that's the biggest reflection. That I've had over my parenting, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't want to be that angry. Right, and it's over stupid little things.
2: It always, yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Like as I reflect on that, sometimes I have to remind myself. Again, it kind of is that check yourself before <laughs> you wreck yourself kind of idea. I, I, you know, we have a tendency to go back to to be our parents whether we realize it or not yeah and sometimes there are those things that we need to uh, because it's the same for me sometimes I can have a bit of a temper and get very frustrated uh, a little too easily especially with repeated things but it's in those moments it's important that I like pause and reflect on okay I don't this is what was said to me it hurt I don't want to do the same Mm. thing It's hard like in the midst of that, you know, and I've given the advice before in marriage discussions, always say, always pray the Our Father because it it kind of is a natural check. What is my role as a father to help build up my kids, to help edify them? And there's that line in there, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so like snapping at my kids in a way that really isn't loving and isn't patient, Like whose kingdom am I building? Mm. I'm building my own and my selfishness and my anger. I'm not building the Lord's ultimately in that I'm actually causing them hard or hardship in the long run. And I try to do that. Honestly, I think I'm probably only batting about a 250 on that. Hey, but Um,
3: if you're batting that, that's a Hall of Fame bat. Right there, <laughs> I suppose, but
2: I could be overly generous. It's probably more like a 177, okay, okay. but uh, <laughs> I don't know that that's, that is a difficult thing, but I think it's, it's the important thing with that too, is acknowledging it, that, that that's a problem. Like you just called it right out. You know, we both like can't get better if you don't actually admit right. it and recognize it. Right. Mm.
3: Admittance is the first step to healing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Again, just kind of reflecting, especially in your early days as a father, what are some lessons that you say would say you learned pretty quickly?
3: Um, Well, I would say like after several children, every like they say it all the time, you hear it all the time. Every child is different, but it's, oh, my goodness, every child is different. Mm. Oh, yeah. And the the family members, I love you, but you undersold that boys (laughs) are different than right yes yeah yeah. oh my that's absolutely true when i was told that i was like oh yeah you know of course boys are different than girls no Mm -hmm. no it's like that crazy poem that upsets me about like what boys are made of frogs and snails and puppy dog tails like there's probably Uh, some other stuff in there too right um yeah (laughs) but yeah that's that's the biggest thing i've learned
2: yeah that's true and you can't treat them all the same, certainly, there are some things that have to be consistent. But in terms of discipline, we've we've discovered that certain things are going to be harder for some than others, and there's some flexibility. That I think of one one of our kids, he has a harder time focusing. It's mm-hmm. easier, you know, it's easier for him to get distracted and things like that. So we always have to be like sensitive to where he is and that sort of thing. And I I think for me, one of the very first lessons I learned. And I learned this actually at Mass, and we were at a church where it seemed like all the kids were like super attentive and super well behaved, except for Uh. us. Like I remember once going up to receive communion. And uh, our youngest, he was at the time was our youngest boy. And he starts like going around, ring around the rosy, around the the extraordinary minister. Mm -hmm. You know, just kept circling around her, touching her legs, kept, you know, while we're trying to receive communion. And it just looked like everybody around was absolutely horrified. Of course, as a parent with young children at mass, you always think when people are looking at you that they're horrified by your kids' behavior. Your perception (laughs) is just
3: amplified at that moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I just remember like being so embarrassed and frustrated in that moment. And I I remember at the baptism of one of our, our, our third daughter, like it was the same thing, just all over the place. And then being RCIA coordinator at my parish and during the Easter vigil, I was standing with him, I was holding that same boy and he kept turning off the lights in the church <laughs> and it was right as father was getting ready to baptize the folks and, and everybody's looking around and confused like why do the lights keep going oh off? that's so funny. you know and you have to think like was well, somebody like this bat this person's about to get baptized and the lights going off is this some sort of sign i don't know you know it was just a weird situation and then finally someone screams from the other side of the church, he's doing it. Oh no. And they pointed at my son, pointed at me, and he was turning off the light because I didn't realize I was standing by the light switch. And it was just so embarrassing. And I re- I remember one mass like talking to my kids. They were really little. They were probably like three. And I think I was being very firm with them about how they should behave at mass. Mm-hmm. And I remember a mom of like eight children looking at me like I was a complete moron <laughs> while I was talking to them. And like months later, and especially years na- years later, when I look back on it, I'm like, man, she was right to look at me like I was a moron, <laughs> you know? <laughs> because at three years old. They don't understand that there needs to be some respect for their development. How can I help them behave better at mass? How can I help them to enter into that mystery? So I think for me, that was a lesson in being reasonable in my expectations. Mm -hmm. And as a dad, I think there's a lot of value in developing an understanding of how kids are at ages and stages. Like it's worth as a dad, it's worth taking the time to maybe do some research in what's a, what's a two to three year old like, what do they need? And same thing with like three to six. What are what are they like? What are their characteristics? What do they need? What are their developmental needs and stuff? It, it's worth doing that so that you can be more reasonable in your expectations.
3: Totally. I mean, like, I'll agree to that. I did not do that as my mm-hmm. wife is a teacher. So right, she yeah. has already been through all that. So yeah. I leaned heavily on her.
2: That's like home field advantage for you. Yeah, I'm sorry about so, that. I'm, yeah, it's we okay. We all can't have that. <laughs> Um yeah.
3: but while you were talking, like another thing that really popped in my head about some some things I learned was the bond that your kids have with their mom. Mm-hmm. Don't get jealous of that. Like I was extremely right. jealous of that for yeah. for each kid and for a long period of time because I would want to hold my kids and they would mm. scream for their mom. Right. And it took me forever to realize like they're they're nine months in to a bond. Right. And they yeah. don't know you. Just right. relax. They'll yep. they'll get to know you, and then they'll yeah. want you. And then the jokes right. come in. Of yeah, they'll want you when they need the credit card. <laughs> yeah, nice.
2: Yeah, there's there's only one of our six kids that is ha, has actually been like when they were really little, super close to me. Um, and that, and that uncharacteristically, that I suppose stereotypically, that you know, it, it was actually one of the boys you know, that during those very early years, he was really close to me. So yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's not, oh, they don't, what's wrong with this kid? What's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. It's, they want mom, you know, (laughs) and, and that's completely normal. You know, I don't know if this is true for you, um, but another thing that I've learned, and probably this is more that I, I've learned over my years of being a, a father, which has now been 13 years, the need to apologize often. Like if I, If I realize that I shouldn't have talked to my kids in a particular way or I was a little harsh in the discipline or something like that, you know, I acted out of anger, frustration, impatience. There's a lot of value in saying, I'm very sorry for this. I hope you can. I hope you forgive me. Mm -hmm. Daddy was upset about this thing and I took it out on you and I'm sorry for that. And it, with that apology, you can still acknowledge, it doesn't make what you did a good decision, but how I responded to that was was wrong, and I'm very sorry. I think there is value in demonstrating that, seeking forgiveness.
3: Yes. It's it's also a good example to show your kids how to forgive and ask for forgiveness instead of the, and, and I'll admit, you know, I'm guilty for doing this too, everybody. Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Say it like you mean it. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Well, it's hard. So if you yeah. if you demonstrate that in the moment, I think that mm. will help all all your kids to, yeah, for sure. to actually ask for forgiveness genuinely.
2: Yeah. So now would be a good chance for you to apologize to your kids for inflicting dad jokes on them. I don't know if you want to take a moment to do that.
3: Not going to be able to do it. <laughs>
2: I tried. Sorry. I tried. <laughs> Maybe another day. Nope. Awesome. Nope. If you could give a new dad advice from... From Okay, let me rephrase this. If you could give new dad you, so you just had first child. If you could give that person advice from your perspective now, what would that
3: advice be? Philly, you need to be a leader. And not Mm. just in the house, but you need to be a spiritual leader. This will lead to a lot of things down the road. And let your kids ask questions. It doesn't mean that they're not agreeing or don't want to do what you Mm. say. It's that they genuinely want to know. Right. And, and that's something I, I still continue to struggle with is, is being that leader, you know, I'm the youngest, I've got three older sisters. And I was one of the youngest in my classes. So it's not in my innate nature to lead, since mm. I was having others lead. So I've had to gain those skills as an adult mm. by, you know, becoming a Grand Knight of our Knights of Columbus chapter, it uh, St. Malachy's, and mm-hmm. leading a team remotely f- from my home—or no, in my home kitchen—a team of five in the state of Wisconsin mm-hmm. to do their jobs. And now I'm leading the communications of the largest mm-hmm. parish in Iowa. Shout out mm-hmm. to St. Francis. Love you. Yes. Yeah. Love y'all.
2: Yes. For sure.
3: So yeah, like I'm I'm picking up and using whichever skills needs to be appropriate at each
2: instance. Amen. Good advice.
3: What about you? As I
2: Well, as yeah, as I was reflecting on that. I think, um, and maybe it's just where I am in my life is why I would answer that this way, but it is from my perspective now. So it would be, use the time you're given well. Ooh, yes. Pope Francis has this great saying, and I don't know where it was. I just know it's Pope Francis. He says, waste time with your kids. And he talks about getting down on the floor and playing on the floor with the kids. And, and I think... That would be my advice. Like the only time you should waste is the time you waste with your kids and and be a kid with them, be a kid with them and don't be afraid to be a kid with them. Don't be afraid.
3: Preach. Yes.
2: Sometimes I I wonder, especially more recently, did I have kids just so I could continue to be a big kid? Ooh,
3: I'm going to steal that. I'm going to steal that.
2: (laughs) Put down the phone, leave work early, take the weekend off and especially leave work at work. Any folks that are in ministry listening, that can be hard when you work in ministry because your work is the spiritual life, is the spiritual things. So it can be hard to make that distinction between, you know, leaving your spiritual life at work. That's not what I'm talking about. Your spiritual life has to come home with you and it needs to be even stronger at home. But your work itself needs to stay at work, leave work at work. We only have so much time and on our deathbed, none of us are going to say, I wish I wouldn't have spent so much time with my kids that's just not going to happen right you know so that would be my advice
3: that's good advice i like it
2: what is the best unsolicited parenting advice you've ever gotten
3: oh the best unsolicited
2: the best the best unsolicited
3: no one and and i firmly believe this that men don't give other men or dads don't give other dads advice i think it's purely women to women female to female advice Mm. on raising kids i don't know what it is I think it Mm -hmm. is just how we're programmed and it's okay, but I observed a lot. So I would watch Mm -hmm. how other parents were playing with their kids and going on Mm -hmm. bike rides. So even though that wasn't advice that they were giving me directly, I was definitely picking up on
2: it. I think that's a really good point because I know there have been those dads I've seen that I'm just like, wow, I wish I was that kind of father or I wish I could be that dad. And there's nothing saying that I can't be. Right. <laughs> you know? But those same dads that I'm like, wow, he is amazing, have never actually offered <laughs> me advice. So maybe that is a funny thing about being a man, being a father, is I think you're right. I can't really think of any time I've gotten unsolicited dad advice? Like, if I've asked, how how have you handled, like, in a few occasions I've gotten that, I have gotten the unsolicited Mm. advice from time to time, the negative things, the criticisms. And so, turning the other direction, what is the, dare I say, worst unsolicited advice you've ever gotten as a parent?
3: Maybe you should just yell at your kids more. (laughs) Nice. Like
2: Yes.
3: (laughs) What do you say to that? I... Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Not
2: going to do it. I've gotten something similar. Mine was maybe you should spank them. It's been a lot of the, you're not hard enough on them, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what the problem is, which that's always irritating. You know, when somebody evaluates your parenting style in front of you and uses that as a means to criticize your kids Right. right in front of them that can be very
3: aggravating. Like I know that that's a hot topic right there of, right. of spanking and I was not spanked growing up. I actually, no, I always, I always say that. And then I always go, mm-hmm. Oh wait, no, there was that one time, but I deserved it right? because I hit my right. neighbor because he was cheating. And uh-huh. so I'm like, yeah, I, I totally de- um, deserved it. And I'm sure there's listeners out there like, no, you never deserved to do this. Like, you know, I'm, it didn't scar me. I'm okay right you know i'm not condoning anything i'm not promoting anything you know you do you
2: yeah and that was a pretty as you describe it pretty one-off extreme circumstance as well so yeah yeah i think that is it's it's an odd thing i I think with discipline the most important thing is really to be patient to be loving and to be consistent oh yeah and have clear expectations i think in my own childhood the discipline was extremely inconsistent and there was no structure and so I really knew, never really knew what were boundaries, what were right and wrong. It took me a long time to learn that, mm-hmm. you know, and it was more kind of on my own. And that's that's not healthy. In a way, I actually think that does more harm and more damage in the long run, because then you become an adult who doesn't have a good sense of structure and consistency in your life. I don't know. That's what stands out to me. Like the answer to that is uh, consistency, mm-hmm. clear expectations.
3: And and it's good to be like on the same page with your spouse, because right. if you're coming in with like totally different ideas on on discipline or expectations, it it can be a long struggle.
2: It can be. Yeah. And in, in that discussion about being on the same page, a discussion about how the childhood each of you had is important too. like what was discipline like for each other as a child and talk about that because those are things you have to work through as a couple as well you know
3: yeah you're saying that and it's like oh man why did why did kelly and i not have this discussion when before we had kids right. like it, it probably would have solved a lot of our yeah. issues a lot of our yeah. problems a lot of our anger like a lot of my anger right and fights but yeah like i the way i grew up i i'm just gonna say this you know my mom is filipino mm. so i do have that Um, That cultural, you know, you just do what you're told. You don't say no. Mm -hmm. You do the expectations. So I have that ingrained in my brain. Mm -hmm. And when I said earlier about it's okay if they ask questions, I really mean it because Mm -hmm. that's something I need to work on. Right. Because that's not how I was raised. And it's just um, a a different parenting style. Mm -hmm. And that's how Kelly was brought up and raised. So if we were to be on the same page, it would be would have solved a lot of things
2: what role has your faith played in your relationship with your kids and as being a father
3: oh my goodness it has grown exponentially um, throughout the years I was that dad that just wanted to do the Sunday obligation Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe be a lector I saw my dad doing that growing up I wanted to imitate that and then we started having kids and I got deeper into my faith, which uh, just grew to ways that I never thought I'd be doing. Like, uh, I, I know in your podcast, you talk about not really sharing what you do for Lent. Mm-hmm. One year for Lent, I decided to read the Bible mm-hmm. to my girls. Uh, we picked a gospel and then we just kind of read it every day through mm-hmm. Lent. And it was fun to hear them as we would go to like grandma's house in bedtime. You would hear down the hall dad we need the Bible
1: oh that's awesome yeah
3: and I'm like this this is cool yeah. and now you know they still read and they're still faithful and growing I am I've read uh the Bible to my youngest mm-hmm. he's in second grade right now and he loves it and he asks questions and thankful to uh, Father Mike and his Bible in a Year mm-hmm. podcast because if I had not listened to that like a lot of questions would not have been answered. Yeah. And it would have been like, um, um, good night, son. Just go to sleep. Yeah. You know, uh, so thank you, Father Mike. And the, the art, like I see your studio back there mm. and it's beautiful. Mm. I would not have said that, or I might've said that years ago, mm. but I wouldn't have meant it Right. because I thought it was weird. Right. But now I'm in like, oh my gosh, we need more art. In our yes. House. Yeah. And I'm sitting around in my office and like, I need art. Here. Right. And it's just trying to figure out what to put in. Right. Yeah.
2: I I can relate to that in a lot of ways. I think even as you, as you mentioned our, our chapel slash studio here, I think of me maybe even a year or two ago, the idea of giving up a room in our house for this intentionally. Like there's hardly anything in here other than, It looks like a little church in here, you know, but we have six kids and I gave up my game room, which was a huge sacrifice, by the way, Um, (laughs) you know, and the idea that we just, that would have been hard for me to to do even a year or two ago. But now it's like, this is the place I go in our house for, for quiet, for peace, you know, and it's needed. And yeah, like the stations hung around it. It's, it's beautiful. It's, we need it, you know, so I'm kind of with you in that, that journey understanding that I think the role our our faith has played in our family life there's one story that that comes to mind and I think it's this is probably the most powerful example of that we had a miscarriage a couple years ago and it was in February of 2020 and you know it it was it was hard and it was the first time that pregnancy it was the first time we had never actually told our kids right away that you know baby was on the way and so there was a little bit of guilt that day you know, when we woke up, like, why didn't we say anything? And it was also the first time we were genuinely surprised. <laughs> You're like, oh, like, mm-hmm. obviously, we know what causes babies. You know, when you have six kids, people are always asking you, you know, what causes that? You know, we love our we love our hobbies. Again, back to that where I started. <laughs> but um, so there was a little bit of guilt in there and not sharing. But we decided that day, you know, that morning when I got home, we're going to tell the kids because they need to know why mommy and daddy are going to be a little sad for a few days or or probably longer, especially for my wife. So there was that moment at the end of the day where we sat down with the kids and explained everything to them as best we could. And you could see the moment of them processing the excitement of there was a baby and then coming to realize, and it was a gradual kind of slow, when it, when it finally, they finally realized, but we lost the baby there was a lot of sadness and grief and crying and that i think as a parent that is and and as a husband as a family that's probably the most difficult situation that we've had as a family but then there was like this this sharp turn almost immediately where everyone got up they went straight to the table and they started drawing pictures of Miriam, of their sister of, in heaven, and them going up to meet her in heaven. And and it was just so beautiful because it was like a reminder for us that as Christians, we play, place our faith and hope in Christ. We don't grieve as those without hope. I think that's the best example of how, for me, how our faith has shaped our relationship with our kids. You know, that's that's the thing that really stands out to me there. I know that's kind of a heavy... <laughs> (laughs) Heavy topic, but uh, it's just a really powerful healing, almost immediate healing in that. I mean, there was still grief, but man, to see their faith in that moment. My kids are always teaching me stuff. I don't know if your kids do the same with you. God's always teaching me stuff through my kids.
3: It's, to me, it's more of your faith isn't enough yet. Mm. It's not big enough. I'm astounded just because I kind of compare my kids' faith to how I was growing Mm. up. Going to Catholic school, K through 8, I was nowhere. I I knew Bible stories. Uh, I knew Sundays were the Lord's Day, and that was church day, and pretty much that. Mm -hmm. But to see Mila and Madeline just ask, hey, can we we go to adoration sometimes? Wow. And... Mila has gone to uh, the Benedictine College summer programs mm. these past two summers, and this year she's like, "Hey, can we say night prayers sometimes instead of the normal like routine? Like it was really beautiful oh, when wow. we did that. That's beautiful. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, why am I not there? Yeah. I know I've come a long way, but I'm supposed to be leading you, and you're leading me. Yeah. Yeah, I got to step up. And then, um, you know, to see some other some other uh, kids who are, some of my other kids who are in our house, who I love and care about deeply, just beg for, you know, beg for sacraments mm-hmm. and get, you yeah. know, grow in their faith, get baptized, get First Communion. That's beautiful. You know, here in the, like, I almost cried the other day. We went and visited my grand, Kelly's grandparents, or no, sorry, Kelly's parents in the Davenport Diocese. Mm-hmm. And there they do dispense... Precious blood, mm-hmm. and one of one of our kids has not received that because it's not done in, uh, you know, our diocese. Mm-hmm. So to see her walk up into communion mm-hmm. and receive it for the first time, mm-hmm. I almost tear right to to see that like mm-hmm. that's something she was she wanted. Mm-hmm.
2: That's beautiful. Jesus says, "Have faith like a child." There's a there's a humility in their faith that they just want Jesus for Jesus' sake hmm without any expectations necessarily they just want to be they just want to see jesus i think my my she's now four my wife corrected me because on the last episode i said three but she's now four and
3: <laughs> it's okay it's a to me that's a dad yeah it is yeah. like i i go by grades right yeah oh i've got i've got two sophomores got two eighth graders and a second grader.
2: And if you asked me how long I've been married, I would say it a long time. You know, I'd have to really think about (laughs) how many years that was. I
3: I have to do the math. And then Kelly's like, Philip, it's been this many years. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But my four-year-old, she's just always so full of joy. And I think about this one. And there's a blog post about this, too, on our website. But, you know, one morning we're running late for mass. Nobody can find their shoes. Somehow the boy's pants they outgrew them overnight somehow, you know, and it's like you're you're trying to get everybody ready for mass and we're going to miss the mass time we want to go to. So then we end up at this church that I really didn't necessarily want to go to that morning, but everybody's being crazy. And it's like, shut up. We're trying to go to church. You know, have you ever had one Mm -hmm. of those mornings and everybody's grumpy because of the rush but you're trying to go in and be holy <laughs> you know Yep. and and we get to the we get to the church we get to the mass and i find myself thinking man nobody looks happy to be here now remember how i said i came into the mass mass nobody looks happy to be here oh the music's really terrible this morning blah you know and all oh, that homily didn't make any sense what is he even talking about and uh you know all these sorts of things these negative negative criticisms and <laughs> I remember, like, the question, like, nobody seems happy to be here, kept sticking with me, you know. And then it was during the consecration prayer. Zoe, uh, who's only, like, she's probably just above my knees in terms of her height. She's not very tall. You know, she's little for her age. And she lifted up her hands and, like, started grabbing, you know, like kids do, like, pick me up. that, that Universal sign to pick me up. And she said, I can't see Jesus. I can't see Jesus. And meanwhile, through this whole crazy morning, she's super joyful, as she always is. So I pick her up, and then she's just immediately so happy. But she kept saying, I can't see Jesus initially. And when I picked her up, it was almost like the Lord said to me in that moment, and neither could you. Mm. Like, I was so upset in my own little world, and all the things I was upset about, that I couldn't see Jesus, who was right there in front of me in the sacrament. But also right there in front of me in the priest in his homily and in the people around me and the people that even the question, why is everybody so unhappy to be here? No, I was the <laughs> most unhappy person and I couldn't see Jesus in that unhappiness. And it was, it was my daughter that taught me that, you know, that faith, like a child that, through all that stuff, all those things might have been true. The music might've been rough. People might've been grumpy, but she, yeah. she still saw Jesus and I think of what her perspective was that morning, you know, a four-year-old. What's their point of view when they're standing on the floor? All they can really see and smell, are people's butts, you know. <laughs> and that's 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 kind of how I was. I was only yeah. focusing on that worst thing. And it, even though I picked her up, it was actually her that picked me up so I could see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah totally that's how it is totally so i totally relate to what you're saying with your kids wanting to go to adoration desiring the sacraments wanting to i need the bible that's so beautiful that's awesome yeah
3: i loved it it was like those memories i will always keep them close to my heart Mm -hmm.
2: if you had any final thoughts for dads out there on being the leader of the domestic church and being dad what would the what would that be
3: embrace it embrace it it is our levitical duty to build and pass on the faith in our homes it's not up it's not up to the priest it's not up to the Sunday school teachers it's not up to the religious ed teachers it is up to us mm-hmm. and it is not because of the times it goes back to biblical practices of levitical teachings that it is our duty yeah. to pass it on to our kids and you know embrace if you think it's a struggle I struggled too. We're all struggling. It's all our own faith journeys. And we're, you know, if you were struggling, reach out to someone Mm. and ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. You know, Jesus asked for help. God asked for help. He asked 12 men for help.
2: And even Jesus, like when you say embrace, the the next word that comes to mind is is the cross. Like embrace the cross of being the high priest of your home. But even embracing that cross, Jesus still had Simon of Cyrene. So we
3: Yes, that's another, oh, wow, I never thought about that one so, where he needed help. Yeah, so we
2: need, we need, as dads, we need our Simon of Cyrene to help us carry the cross of, of fatherhood, you know?
3: And it is, being a dad, it's a heavy cross to bear. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think about it. Like, anyone can have kids, but it takes, I hate to say it, it takes a man to have kids to be a dad yes
2: for sure and embrace the cross like christ for the joy that is set before you and that joy is is mila and her desire to go to adoration and i need the bible like you're doing the real work you're building the kingdom
3: i'm trying now now the challenge is to keep that fire going amen